Our responsorial psalm today, I think, contains a kind of jarring line. It says, Sacrifice or offering you wish not, but ears open to obedience you gave me. Holocausts or sin offerings you sought not. Then said I, Behold, I come. It might not strike us so readily, but I think to uh, an ancient uh, Hebrew audience, uh, this would have been sort of jarring in a way, and I think very noticeable. Why? Well, because of the, the context of the religion that this was written in. You know, the ritual animal sacrifice had been a key part of Jewish practice since Moses led the people out of Egypt and into the desert. And so at the tent of meeting, you know, they, they begin to offer these animal sacrifices. And that's continued in the first temple. Uh, and then historically, after it's destroyed and they're scattered, they come back and it continues in the second temple. And so it must have been very jarring for them, you know, sacrifice and offering you wish not. Well, that seems odd because there are all these commandments in the Old Testament about how exactly you're supposed to offer these sacrifices and what you're supposed to offer and when and how and what it's for. Well, if God didn't want those things, then why do you spend all that time talking about them? You know, it just seems very odd. You know, and why did I spend all that money sacrificing that ox? You know, if God didn't want it, that was expensive, you know. Could have, could have saved some shekels there. So it would have been jarring for them. But I think also, to this, the, what God asks in return, which is obedience. But ears open to obedience you gave me. And I know I preached on, on obedience before, but I think it's such a key, key part of, of the spiritual life. You know, and the meaning of obedience from the Latin ab audire uh, just means to listen to, to listen to. And why is that so important? Well, it, because it's something that we're supposed to do for the people that we love and care about. It's, it's a very important thing, you know, and, and we expect people to listen to us in various ways. You know, when you go to McDonald's and you order a Big Mac, you expect a certain level of listening, like you want them to get the order right. You don't expect them to sympathize with all your troubles in life and give you therapy when you pull up to the window number two. But you, you are expecting them to, to, to get the order right. But with friends, relations, you know, and, and with other people, you know, there are the, the, the helping professions, you know, um, psychologists, uh, doctors, nurses, priests. You expect a deeper sort of listening. People... Uh, People sometimes ask me, gosh, Father, don't you get tired sometimes? You know, all these people come to you and they talk about all this stuff that's going on in their lives. And <laughs> it reminds me of an actual conversation that uh, my great uncle had with a friend of his. My great uncle uh, was a medical doctor and his friend was a psychiatrist. And he asked his friend this question. He's like, how can you spend all day listening to these people complain and talk about their problems? And his friend said, who's listening? <laughs> so now you know my secret. Um, just kidding. <laughs> but listening is an act of love to really try and understand the heart of another. It takes energy. You know, it takes work. And from people we care about, we want that. You know, one of the most physically taxing, taxing experiences I, I've had as a priest is um, last Good Friday, I heard five hours of confessions at, at Sacred Heart Church in Grand Rapids, 
and it was one of the old school confessionals. So you don't even get a 10 second break between confessions. It's like, blah, 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 absolve you of your sins, blah, 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 absolve you of your sins. Five hours of that. And, and it's not, and, and I went into it thinking, I'm not just going to do the, all right, just give them some random penance and move on. Really trying to listen and move them along because there's a long line. So, I mean, it, it was this sort of pressure cooker for five hours. I staggered out of the confessional, literally. And I was in a fog for 24 hours. It's hard. It's hard. But that's sort of what we know and expect from people that we, we care about. You know? Even on the level of small gifts. My cousin, he and his uh, wife are very good about gift giving. I remember when I went to college, you know, they, um, they gave me a small toolbox and tools that you might need to repair things that break in your college dorm room and stuff to hang posters and pictures on your wall. I never thought to ask for it, but it's like they were so sort of in tune with my situation and really thinking deeply about what I, what I needed that they gave me this wonderful present. And it just always struck me, it's like, wow, gosh, they really, they really know. In a sense, listening, what's going on in my life? I'm going to college. But here we have God asking for obedience. Now, I think we all know, I, I think we all like to be obeyed, because we, we all like to get what we want. And it's just sort of natural. I want my way right away. That's why Burger King is still in business. So they appeal to. Your way right away. You're the king, you know? Um, but why does God want us to be obedient? It's more of a mystery when you think about the nature of God because our obedience doesn't actually improve his life. You know, he's not happier, in a sense, because we obey. He knows it's right and just that we do. He wants us to do it. But he is his own happiness. There's nothing he can gain. But I think it goes back to the mystery of God as love that he makes us and asks us to obey, knowing he can't get anything out of that, but knowing we can get everything from that. Because in listening, he can give us his very self. Jesus talks about that in the, in the Gospel of John. He says, not long before his crucifixion, he says, I no longer call you servants, but friends, because I have told you everything I've heard from my Father. And it's interesting that the idea that God's speaking in this full way is what transforms people from servants into friends. That it's not just do this, do that. You know, we're not just his minions anymore. It's he reveals his very self. It's the letter to the Hebrew says in this beginning. It's very beautiful. You know, in times past, God spoke to us in, in varied ways through the prophets. But in these latter days, he has spoken to us through a son whom he made heir to all things, the very refulgence of his glory, the very imprint of his being. And so God speaks in the incarnation with his whole self. And in listening to that, we are transformed from servants to friends. Now here's the thing, relationships have expectations. So being God's friend doesn't mean that there's less stuff we have to do, you know, it's now okay for to commit murder and adultery and not keep holy the Sabbath day. Um, in fact, the expectations are greater. That's it's the downside of divine friendship, or any friendship, that, that the closer the relationship, the more expectations we put on people and the more that people expect from us. 
it's the cost of, of love. And Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. But he wants to be loved, he wants those commandments met, even though, again, he doesn't benefit from them. So what does it mean, then, to make this sort of sacrifice of obedience, to give ourselves to God? You know, because that's ultimately what he's asking for, is our, our very selves. In, in religious life, you know, we take vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. And St. Thomas says that these are three ways that we give our whole selves. So our external goods and property with the vow of poverty, goods of the body, which is a more intimate gift, through chastity, and finally, the goods of the soul, obedience. And I, I'm sure I've said this before, but it's worth saying, if you took a poll of all the uh, religious men and women in the United States and you asked them, which is the hardest vow to keep, to live, 90% would say it's obedience. Because you have to give up the thing that's most central to yourself, your own will. And so it's a great sort of sacrifice. And, and so, yeah, that's, that's why obedience cuts to the very, very heart and why it's such a profound sort of gift. What does that mean practically? In one sense, I think, I think part of it involves sort of study, you know, study of doctrine, you know, dogmatic theology, moral theology, these sorts of things. Why? Because the church teaching in a broad sort of way gives us sort of the outlines of, you know, who God is in the creed, three persons, one God, Son became incarnate, Holy Spirit, suffered, died, buried, all that sort of thing. Um, that tells us who God is, and it's one way of being obedient is learning more about him, and also morally, well, what's expected of us? Keep holy Sabbath day, don't kill, don't commit adultery, forgive, you know, be merciful, all that sort of thing. So, but that's the broad sort of, you know, high-level stuff. And there's a question of, what does God want me to do today to be obedient? What, is, what does he want from me today, given where I'm at right now in my situation and my resources and my um, failings and weaknesses? What does he want? And I think this calls in the, the, the gift of counsel. It's one of those gifts we get with confirmation. And it's just the way that God directs the hearts of his faithful day by day to do this, say that, don't do this, don't do that, in any given situation. I think I'm, I'm most conscious of it in doing counseling or, or confession, asking Jesus, what do I say now? I don't know what to do. You'd be surprised at the number of times the answer is, shut up, don't say anything. <laughs> you know, I've been accused of weaponizing silence, which is a great compliment. Um, <laughs> But it's amazing when sometimes when Jesus says, don't say anything, and, and how, how often that works. So, but again, you have, to, you have to listen for that. Finally, I think part of listening to God and being obedient to God is learning to not listen to ourselves and what we want. Because we want all sorts of things that God does not want for us. And, and these di desires of the heart, they don't just sort of flit away because we wish they were gone. Uh, they are persistent little devils uh, that tend to stick around even uh, when we wish they would go and leave us in peace. And so in terms of not listening to ourselves, I think this is something where like Exodus 90, which is going to be starting next week, by the way, um, 
is, is really good. Because, you know, with the sacrifices involved in that, um, you know, it's a way of saying no to self. So, you know, things like cold showers or fasting twice a week or not snacking between meals or, you know, no TV movies or video games unless it's part of a social uh, activity. No more Netflix binging. Um, you know, or 20 minutes of prayer a day. Hard to listen to God if you're never talking to him. And so it's, it's a sort of thing that's designed to help us say no to ourselves precisely so that we can listen better to him. And so whether or not that's for you, well, that's something that you need to pray about and you need to listen to the Lord and see what he's asking of you. you know? And if he says do it, do it. And if he says don't do it, don't do it. Simple as that. But it all goes back to that, that obedience. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. I think the final thing I want to say about this um, passage here from the psalm, sacrifice or offering you wish not, but ears open to obedience you gave me, holocaust or sin offerings you sought not. Then said I, behold, I come. So we can think about what this means for our own life to be obedient, to be a sacrifice to God. Um, but what this passage ultimately means is only found in the life of Jesus Christ. That as a pious Jew, he, is, he would pray this psalm, and it's only in his life that we find out what it really means. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That the one who really takes away sin is not some lamb that, bah, you know, it is God incarnate who is literally sacrificed on the cross. And he does so out of obedience, that he's incarnate by the Virgin Mary out of obedience, that he picks up his cross out of obedience to the Father. Father, let this cup pass from me, but not as I will, but as you will. It's obedience. And so he is the one who ultimately fulfills this and at Mass, when we say, you know, Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, have mercy on us, we are recognizing that He is the one. He is the one who sacrifices Himself in obedience for us. And we can do lots of little things. We can do Exodus 90 to be a sacrifice to Him. But this passage only comes to its perfection in the love of Jesus Christ when He offered Himself to the Father for all of us. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world.